somebody said it was like a seatbelt. I go, no, it's not. It's like headlights. Because with seatbelts, yes, as greater society, we're all going to have to take care of you. You're taking the acute pain of not wearing a seatbelt. If you turn off your headlights, you're going to put me in danger because now I can't see you. I'm going to take the acute pain as much as you are because we're going to have a collision. So I think a vaccine is I'm doing it for you. I'm putting my headlights on so you can see me. I'm taking the vaccine so you don't get it from me. We're all holding hands here. And guess what? You have access to vaccines and boosters. Like that's the point is you're living in a society and we do have to think of others. Welcome to Modern Minorities. This is the show about work and life told through the lens of what makes each of us different. I'm Sharon Lee Tony, a Chinese-American girl born and raised in New York City. And I'm Raman Segal, an Indian-American boy who came from Alabama with a banjo on my knee. Through conversations with some really interesting people, we uncover the stories, perspectives, and often unspoken truths about how our guests uniquely experience the world. It doesn't matter where you're from, the color of your skin, or who you love. We're all minorities somehow, but we're no one's model minority. This is a show about all of you, for all of us. On today's show, we wanted to have another conversation about the importance of updated COVID vaccines. Every person in the country aged six months or older is eligible to get vaccinated. Vaccines are free and available regardless of health insurance or status. So be sure to go to vaccines.gov to find places near you to get a vaccine. And as you might guess, this episode is paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, who we are big fans of. Oh, seriously, this again? Sharon, why does your voice sound like a brown-domed Indian stand-up comedian? I'm amazed that my voice could give that away, but what can I say? All this yoga must really be paying off. (laughs) All right, we'll cut to it. But for those of you who don't recognize the voice, it sounds like it's longtime friend of the pod and my original goof-off at work buddy and the funny Indian. Rajiv Sathyal. The one, the only. All right, dude. Uh, so what gives? What have you done with Sharon? What'd you do with her? I don't know. Not my day to watch her, dude. I saw the they see signal go up and I came a calling. Does that mean you're my new podcast co-host for 2023? Oh, God knows. I've got a real job. <laughs> you may tell jokes, Mr. Sathyal, but you are no comedian. I know. I'm a gymnast, actually. <laughs> All right. What gives? What are you doing here? Well, like all of the aunties and uncles out there, I've been judgmentally listening to modern minorities for a while now, and you and Sharon actually seem to be really in the bag for big vaccines, so I thought I'd get in on some of that sweet, sweet COVID action. Well, I don't think you want to be on the COVID action. You want to be in on the vaccine action Mm. or something like that. Mm. Really good point. I'm going to shoot straight with you, Raman. I really am. You've talked about COVID vaccines with Indian doctors. Yeah. Gay Filipino doctors. Check. Your sister, the Indian doctor? Check, check. And even you and Sharon had a holiday chat about COVID vaccines. These are words. <laughs> you are not disputing any of it. Look, you know what part of COVID and vaccines you have not covered? I'm guessing because of this interrogation, you're going to tell me. Drum roll, please, like Clark W. Griswold. Here we go. <laughs> Working entertainers. Yeah, I don't know any of those, though, would you? Oh, well, maybe I'm not being so entertaining (laughs) at this moment. But look, unlike this hacky, hokey podcast intro script you're making me read, and I'm improvising and maybe not making any better, I'm pretty damn good at making people laugh, you know, when there's an audience. Uh, That's fair. That's fair. You actually do make money being funny. And you are funnier than me. So how come you're not cranking out the sweet, sweet vaccine PSA content on the interwebs? Well, I didn't say I was that funny. So you're like Oscar's funny? 
Oh, I slap. I slap. Look, lower your expectations. Lower your expectations. <laughs> okay, so how about, wait, wait, don't tell me, like, NPR funny? Hmm. Well, maybe. If you count having your comedy tour brought up in congressional hearings, sure. I mean, that counts for something. How about Netflix good? Well, I am the audio-assisted voice of the Netflix hit show Indian Matchmaking. <laughs> okay, so I guess that's slightly better than a piddly podcaster three. Wait, what? What are we talking about again? The importance of COVID vaccines, Rajiv. Right, Raman, because this is the part of the episode where you have to tell your listeners that this week's episode is sponsored by the Department of Health and Human Services. Who we are big fans of. I mean, I'm assuming all your really smart and savvy listeners with great taste in podcasts and rising comedy stars know the importance of getting their latest COVID vaccines. You know, Rajiv, that is so right, because with the new year upon us, we have got to go beyond learning all those home cooking mom dishes that we had to learn over the holidays. We have to start making sure we've updated our COVID vaccines because updated vaccines now protect against the original COVID virus and variants like Omicron. Which is safe and effective. The vaccines, not Omicron, but they are just in time to make those family gatherings safer and extra special. You can find and schedule your updated COVID vaccine for everyone six months plus at vaccines.gov. Because if you don't get your latest vaccine, Raman and Sharon are going to keep having to do these episodes over and over and over. I'm I'm kind of okay with that, but more importantly, because this is the kind of like sponsorship I did, because I, I think, Rajiv, I mean, we've talked about this to, to kind of get out of the script a little, like, it's important not just to think of ourselves, but the safety of our communities and families, especially as, you know, the world continues to open more and more up. I could not agree more. That is totally true. Check. Yeah. So you sure you don't want to replace me or Sharon on this podcast? <laughs> I only come out after midnight, man. Also, you can't afford me. Well, I mean, you do make a living doing this sort of thing. That's what Tom Cruise said in Cloud. Well, I do this for a living, Max. Well, also sold out clubs, opening for big names, TV shows, weddings, corporate events. You know, the little things that we all do. Yeah, okay. So that's actually what I wanted to kind of bring to light today. To tell people to go to rajivsethial.com to find out more. Or even funnyindian.com to find out more. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know which one's the URL anymore. You have too many of them. One no. redirects to another. Let's just say that. <laughs> Seriously, we we have talked about this before. And yeah, it's some interesting text and email exchanges, you know, not just the pandemic, but how vaccines have kind of changed the game for you specifically as a comedian and as an entertainer. Yeah, it is definitely night and day. I mean, dude, unlike most of you, I can't just sit behind a computer on email and Slack and Zoom. Well, maybe some of that, but I got to get out and I got to be where the people are. I, I sound like Ariel. I want to go where the people go. Okay. I will not sing or I'm going to walk the podcast. We're right not, here. we're not ready for a brown Little Mermaid, so a brown and bald Little Mermaid. <laughs> she doesn't have legs. I don't have hair. There's got to be some joke in there somewhere. I guess on we'll let the ends meet. Look, when the pandemic started, it was brutal. I'm not gonna lie about that. Yeah, what what was it like? I mean, because you know we have jobs like meetings and you know TPS reports and shit like that. But like you make your living in the field, so to speak, at the clubs, and so I mean revenue just disappeared for you. Look, if we're going to the very beginning of COVID. It's it's interesting to take a trip down memory lane, right? I mean, it was March 11th. I won't forget it because I had had lunch with a friend, tea with another friend on my way to a happy hour. And I was actually driving right up to Sunset Boulevard where the CNN building is. And I was listening to CNN on XM radio and I heard the tone change drastically. Like all of a sudden, this became a thing. It was creeping, creeping, creeping. And suddenly I pulled the car over 
this is true. Don't text and drive. And I texted my friend and I said, you know what? I think I'm going home. Things just, it felt like a storm. You know, when the, when the cumulonimbus cloud finally gets over your head, you're like, oh shoot, it's going to pour down. And I went home. That was the day that it all happened. I'll never forget it. Well, I mean, so did you just like stop going to gigs? Did the gigs cancel? I mean, what happened with work? With work, there were some things scheduled. I had just done a gig the 7th of March, my birthday actually, in Chicago for a charity. And I was the jerk saying, I don't want to touch people or stand near people. And I said, I know I sound like this California. Yeah, man, dude, what's going on? What's different out there, bro? And a week later, everybody texted me. A lot of people, the organizers were like, oh my gosh, we kind of did think you were a jerk, but you turned out to be true. I said, yeah, man, it comes in from the coast. What do you want me to say? Look, but you're still a jerk. <laughs> I'm still a jerk. That has not changed. That, well, maybe it has. I've gotten to be more of a jerk. But look, the, the gigs dried up. They really did. I made much less money. It was and is my greatest creative period because I have a very supportive spouse. Hersha has been really awesome about, hey, use this time to create while you are not on the road. But dude, it's a part of probably anywhere on the gender spectrum, but certainly for a man's identity, it's hard, dude. It is hard not bringing cash in and not getting booked on gigs. And a lot of stuff went to Zoom, but it just wasn't the same. Yeah. I mean, and I don't, it's, you you said it earlier, it's been a while. We're three years in almost. And I genuinely don't remember when the vaccines were announced and when we could get them. But, you know, I think it was before the vaccines came out or became broadly available, some people were like, well, I, we have to get out. We have to do things, right? We The, the lockdown wasn't forever, right? It was a, a few weeks for some, a few months for some, but some people sooner than others, not just essential workers, had to get out. And as I I genuinely don't remember, and we were texting and emailing through the whole thing, Zooming as well, like mm-hmm. you were out there sooner because you could or you had to? Yeah, I mean, I, I had to. There were times I remember... I'm trying to think the very first one that I went and did live. I think it was all the way into, might've been 2022, but I remember I was going to Boston and the vaccines were already available. And I said to Hersha, I said, look, unless I am sick, I'm going. I mean, at this point, the vaccines are out there. People are taking care of their health. They're doing what they need to do. Obviously, if I test positive, I won't go, but- Mm -hmm. You know, we did the lockdown. We did it to attend. I mean, we socially distanced. We wore masks. We stayed home. We took it very seriously. And I think the people who took it very seriously also, of course, then, if, you, if, if you're planking when everybody else just has their knees on the floor, if everybody knows what planks are and you're just like trying to keep your fat off of the ground, and what you're doing is if you're planking for real, 30 seconds is an eternity. But if you're like, yeah, I don't know, I'll sort of kind of keep my knees on the ground and my feet, maybe even my elbows and my head. Oh, I could plank forever. Well, yeah, you're not planking, dude. That's pretty easy to do then. So I think that people who did it really hard and really went for it were the ones that like, as soon as it opened up and it was okay to go outside, we went outside. Yeah. So were you on the road after you had your vaccine or were you still one of the people who didn't have a vaccine yet because they were harder to get back then when you got back on the road? Okay, fair enough. So I got the vaccine as soon as I was eligible to get it. And as soon as I got the vaccine... Oh, you're in an older demographic, so... Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm ancient, and so that's what it is. The the senior citizens, you show them your AARP card, and you're good to go. I tell you, after my four o'clock dinner at the local buffet, I was was, was on my way. At the Golden Corral? Yeah, the Golden Corral at Lancers here in Burbank. That's the place we have. So look, as I was able to 
get booked and get on a plane, I went. But I'll be very transparent with you, man. Like, the gigs dried up. They really did. A lot of stuff went virtual. And comedy is one of the few things. Singing is probably the hardest over Zoom, which you could tell from my sample of The Little Mermaid. But honestly, people who could really sing, that is a hard thing to do over the internet, of course. Tone, I don't have to explain music. You get it. But comedy is probably a close second because... It's timing, dude. I mean, the joke I wrote was that, you know, hey, hey, it's good to be back here in person. I was doing a lot of those Zoom gigs. And, you know, sometimes there's a two, three second delay. And then people would laugh. But it's okay. I played Alabama. <laughs> but yeah, you, your ability to kind of read the room, right? Yeah, definitely. A lot of the time people had their cameras off. And what I would tell people, I would implore people. I was like, you can keep your microphones off. In fact, that we hope that you do, but please leave your cameras on. And I will not clown you if you leave, if you look down, if you're checking email, it's just helpful to see faces. That said, it's still hard because if people aren't really paying attention, most of the time they were to their credit and to my credit, to some extent, I guess I was funny. You know, I think it was still hard because the thing with comedy, man, is Comedy is one of those equalizer kind of moments. I know people might take a little bit of issue with that. Like, well, wait a second. Isn't there a victim? And look, the basic thrust of comedy is we're all in the same room, in the same seats, eating the same onion rings, drinking the same beer, watching the same comedian. Now, people in the front row may have a little bit of a different experience in the back row, but we're all in the same room. That is not true when somebody's on a 27-inch iMac and somebody else is on a small Acer with dial up i don't know if any you don't have the context that. of how everyone else is reacting exactly yeah, yeah, everybody's yeah. at a is literally in a different location i mean it's completely different and comedy is one of the things that brings us together when we're literally together so i was happy to do it it was better than nothing and i needed the money quite honestly but it was it was a struggle for sure and i'm glad to get back out there how about like the rest of your life like i remember there was a moment you were coming out to New York. I don't remember if we actually made it work. Oh, you know why? It's because it was the day my son was born. You were out in New York yes. and we were all vaccinated and boosted. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. My wife's still pregnant. Maybe not. And you're like, no, Raman, look, I'm, I'm vaccinated. I've gotten COVID once before. And we agreed to meet up like outside in the Bronx, right? At the Botanical Gardens. Yes. And you were, you were out and about. You were in New York. You were taking meetings. You were doing things. And it, maybe it was because, you know, but we're both expecting kids right around the same time because your son is a is a few months younger than mine. Yeah. Um, it's the risk profiles. Like it's kind of like not that there's anything wrong with it. The thing I've learned is kind of ha coming to respect and accept other people's risk profiles if they're like more or less than mine. You know, how have you kind of navigated that world, or have you just been like, "Fuck it, <laughs> like I'm, I'm gonna do me." How have you navigated like risk profiles when when you go into a meeting? Again, this is back in the day. Like. Look, flashback like you know to two years ago being in new york city going to a meeting were you wanting to know if everyone in the room you're going to be with was vaccinated etc like how, how did that change decisions you were making on meetings you were doing parties you were going to etc because you're doing more than me definitely i think being a father to be and now a father and then also you know bringing it home to my wife who you know was i was very careful she was extremely careful yeah. and so you know, I couldn't do that to her, right? That was it. It was, it, you know, and that's funny that they were interviewing some expert about plane crashes. And I think it was Allegiant or something like that on 60 Minutes. And they asked him, he's like, I would not put my family on an Allegiant flight. And 
they were like, would you fly on it? He goes, yeah, I'd fly on it. And it's just, it's funny. Like it was a funny moment. You don't get many funny moments on 60 minutes or 2020 or whatever it was, but you're just kind of like, I understand that. Like it's, I'll do it, but I, I want to protect my family. And and I think that's a, that's a fairly common thread for people. Like for me to get to the granular piece of your question, yes, I wanted to make sure that people in the room were vaccinated. I wanted to make sure that they were wearing masks. I did not touch people's hands. And most people were pretty respectful about not coming up and getting within that six foot radius. But I was really careful specifically because I could not bring that home to my pregnant wife. <laughs> and by the way, we got it while she was pregnant. So yeah. that's the other thing is that in December, 2020, you know, Naveen was still, my gosh, a fetus, I guess. And we got it. We got it for a good reason. It wasn't to go meet our friends at the bar. It was actually furniture shopping for my parents. And so you're like, look, I barely left the house, but we went to a furniture place in Studio City and the man running it, you know, I, I don't know if I should say this or not, but it was our experience. Like any workers that we ran across or other people, I was like, what is the deal here? Why, why aren't you, they You know, actually, I, just, to, just to push a little on it, I think it's socioeconomic, right? Because mm. it's a... I hate to say this certain socioeconomic classes could afford to be extra cautious mm-hmm. to i'm just going to work from home today i'm sure. not going to totally. go into the thing and that that's the interesting thing about your your specific like working situation because socioeconomically you're a working class yuppie right? <laughs> like, yeah. but yeah. you you have to be out in the field Right, you have to be out in the field, out at the bars. You're you're working with people. You're hands on. That's your business. Comedians you can't are, do it. Bro. Comedians are in such an interesting. You know, we're we're both right. We're in the sense that we're like <clears throat> we can be white collar and kind of above the crowd in some ways, but in other ways, man, I I look at myself as the help. I always have. Like I'm I have com- camaraderie with like the wait staff and the servers, but at the same time, I'm also not like, Hey, I'm just like you. Of course I'm not. I'm up on stage. I'm getting all the accolades. I'm getting all the credit for making people laugh. So don't try to be falsely humble. Like I, I'll take true ego over false humility any day of the week. So like, just be, <laughs> be a jerk then. But honestly, <laughs> I'm in service. I'm in customer service up there. Like I'm there to listen and give feedback. It's a dialogue, not a monologue. But from my standpoint, I guess when I ran that by Hersha, she's like, well, just think about some of the uncles, you know, like even if they are blue collar, white collar, whatever. She goes, do you think some of your dad's friends are going to wear masks that easily? And I'm like, no, some of them are going to resist. She goes, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I just think it's our communities are, are a little bit more resistant to this. And I pushed back at the time, just like you. I was like, I don't know, man. Like, look at the without making it political. I'm like looking at a lot of the people who were born and brought up here and have been here for generations who were pushing back against masks. I don't know that you can necessarily say that. And this guy ran a furniture store. He didn't work there. It was his store. So yeah. I don't know. There was data either way on it. I don't mean to offend or insult anybody, but to me, I was just like, yeah, it, like I don't know what whatever you want to say about him. I think Americans generally like. Not not the far left or far right, but I think most people are rule followers, and I think in a mm-hmm. lot of countries it's not true. I think people here do fall in line and and will listen as much as as much anti government rhetoric as there is. I think I think there is still trust for the powers that be, despite all the problems. I think that they're still trustworthy institutions. I mean, I rely on them to make sure that you know my water's clean or my medicine's good or whatever. It's they still right. basically do a good job. Well, these are recommendations, right? Like the best analogy I was talking with another dad at the bus stop. It's like seatbelts. Like, mm-hmm. you don't have to wear your seatbelt, but, like, why wouldn't you? Like, you know, it's it's kind of like this easy, super cheap insurance policy. And be it masks or vaccines, I've kind of always viewed them as seatbelts, you know, and super high-tech, you know, 
seatbelts for sure. So I'll give you a different analogy because I, yeah. I like the analogy, but I, I think I'll do one better. And I actually said this midway through the pandemic. Somebody said it was like a seatbelt. I go, no, it's not. It's like headlights. Oh, wow. Explain that a little bit more. Well, because with seatbelts, yes, as greater society will suffer if you're in an accident, you could be like, hey, it's my body. Yes, well, the greater system is going to suffer because we're all going to have to take care of your health care if you get hurt. Right. But you are still basically only hurting. You're taking the acute pain of not wearing a seatbelt. If you turn off your headlights, you're going to put me in danger because now I can't see you. I'm going to take the acute pain as much as you are because we're going to have a collision. So I think a vaccine is I'm doing it for you. I'm putting my headlights on so you can see me. I'm taking the vaccine so you, so you don't get it from me. We're all holding hands here, obviously figuratively, not literally at the time, but that's oh, yeah. why it's more like life. It's more like headlights and it's less like seatbelts. Huh. I like that. I like that. Well, you know, one thing I'm kind of happy that is gone the way of the dodo because of the pandemic mm. the super bougie like new york city double kiss on the cheek greeting mm. like i <laughs> i you know when i used to backpack I and too. have to travel around to europe it's like am i doing one kiss or two kiss is it an awkward mm. head bump i don't mind hugs i miss hugs but mm. like the the two cheek kiss i'm like eh, kind of gross yeah. I know. I've never been a fan of it. I always thought it was super phony. And look, if that's your culture, it's different. If you're like, hey, this is what we do in our culture. I'm not going to say, well, that's phony. It's like saying somebody saying, hey, the namaste is phony. It's like, well, no, it's not. The, the light in me greets the light in you. But if you're appropriating it, just like you're appropriating this double kiss thing that a lot of people did in New York and some of the big cities, I'm like, get out of here. We're not in Europe. <laughs> And now, a word from our sponsor, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Oh, yeah. HHS has still got it. Sure. I mean, if you count preventing COVID as the cure for the post-holiday blues. Well, I guess it is that time again to encourage everyone to get their COVID vaccine. Oh, yeah, vaccines. <laughs> you know, getting my vaccine card updates is like getting my subway card punched. If only it came with a free sandwich. I think it did for a while, uh, at least free donuts. But, uh, <laughs> you know, Sharon, getting your latest updated COVID vaccine is even better, especially if it means getting more time to safely catch up with your family. Ah, uh, yes. Updated vaccines now protect against the original COVID virus and Omicron, which means we all have more time to enjoy that home cooking and mom dishes that we've all been craving. Yeah, these latest vaccines are here just in time to make those family gatherings safer and Boom, just did it. Uh, did what? Find for a new year gift for all your family, friends, and favorite podcast co-hosts? No, even better, I just scheduled my free vaccine today. Oh, snap. That was pretty easy. Damn straight. Find updated COVID vaccines for everyone six months plus at vaccines.gov. COVID is serious stuff, and we want to make sure all of you are ridiculously thoughtful, stylish, hip, and favorite podcast listeners are getting the latest and greatest COVID vaccines. That's right, Sharon. So we've all got to do everything we can to keep ourselves and the people we love safe. Let's all do our part to protect ourselves, our families, and our communities this holiday season. Talk to a doctor if you have any questions. You can find the latest vaccines near you at vaccines.gov. We can do this together. This spot was paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, who we have a great job. But now, back to our show. All right, I want to I want to shift gears to kids. So we both have young kids who, when they were born, vaccines weren't available for them, right? And I remember like watching the number in terms of age restrictions kind of go down to 12 and under and then five and under and lining my daughter, my older daughter up. But you know, when our sons were respectively born, vaccines weren't available for them. And then five and under became available and two and under became available. And now it's six months plus. So 
what was that kind of emotional roller coaster for you? Not once your son was born, even though you and your wife are vaccinated and you're out and about. We were terrified with the in utero aspect. And I know your mind just went to Nirvana when I said in utero, but my, my whole thing with that was just like, Oh my gosh, I hope we didn't just ruin this kid's life by our getting COVID and, you know, being as responsible as we could be, but we were really beating ourselves up at the time. We were really scared. And look, we're still scared. I mean, we don't know what the long-term effects of COVID are. Is your son vaccinated? Yes. So we are in the process. He's two in, he's got a second and the, the mm-hmm. doses are very small. Obviously he's just, he's between one and two years old. For my part of it, I think with this, with the kids, again, going back to the analogy with, you know, would you fly the airline or, and I, I would, but I wouldn't let my family or wouldn't want my family to. I think for him and for kids of that age, even though COVID was so much less severe or actually because it was so much less severe for kids, I was more like, I want to know who of our, our SES is getting it, our socioeconomic status, who's getting it. Because it's like I said, I maybe I said this to you a long time ago. I'd like to know, and this is before I was married, because you don't throw the D word around very often when you're married, but I wanted to know before I got married, what's my personal chance of getting divorced? Like, I know actuaries figure it out, like how long you're going to live. I'm sure with the right data, you could figure out, okay, you're Hindu, you're this tall, your parents are from here, whatever, you're this age. Your personal chances, given your MBTI and everything else, you have a 32% chance of getting divorced. I'm sure they could do it. If they really wanted to do it, if there was money in it, they could do it. And so for my part of it, for COVID, I was looking at it for, and, and they would look at one of the inputs, one of the strong inputs for the divorce question is, what are people like you like? The people who are in your income bracket, the people who have your political take, all, all that sort of thing, like the people you move with. If all of them are getting their kids vaccinated out here, I'll do it. And that is the power of peer pressure. Like if the people I know and respect and the doctors I know and respect off the record are saying, yeah, I have a kid, he's a one-year-old, and I'm going to get him vaccinated. All my doctor friends with small kids got their kids vaccinated, so I did too. I mean, I do feel like when my kids got vaccinated, it felt like a weight came off my shoulders. It's like the same thing. It's like this kind of same reassurance that came from trusted sources. But then also, you know, like our friends who are doctors or other friends, the same kind of socioeconomic weight class who had young kids, you know, they were getting the vaccine too. So it's just like, why not? And, you know, again, it just kind of like a weight came off my shoulder, uh, a layer of confidence. Like, okay, it's kind of okay to get out there, to to go get takeout, to go dine at a restaurant potentially, to ride a train to the city, to go back into work and be in meetings with people. And in your case, go work at a comedy club or go give a talk at, at a client and just be more confident about it. I, I just feel like vaccines have kind of allowed for that, if that makes sense. And even like beyond work and getting out there, I mean, we're both in full houses at home, not just with our partner and our kids respectively, but we've got parents and, you know, uncles and aunties visiting, you know, and those close friends that are practically like uncles and aunties. You know, I feel like indoor playdates are happening again, finally now, not just at the playground, but having other friends and their kids come to our house or go to their house to have a meal. So, you know, we really have to make it a point to keep our house up to date with all of our COVID vaccines. Because, um, you know, we, we have life and gathering. So being vaccinated is kind of not just precautionary, but a sign of respect to everyone we invite into our house. Um, and those that live in it, but those that are visiting too. And the same goes when we visit family and friends. I mean, we just spent the holidays together with my wife's entire family, her parents, her brothers, her partners, her kids. I mean, everyone six months and older, which was everyone, uh, was eligible to get vaccinated. So we were. It's just never been easier, more convenient. And it's so funny. We're we're not even saying like, 
go get your latest boosters. And we're saying go get the latest vaccines because, you know, it's just kind of something we have to do. It's this new normal because, you know, I, we're still kind of in this cat and mouse game with the pandemic. Things are changing. And so we just have to be up to date. So I don't know. It just feels like something you have to do. And it's something we all have to do for each other. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I agree with all that. Nothing to add. Yeah. So what's different now because of the vaccines, because of your son being vaccinated with the latest, your wife having the latest, are things kind of back to normal for you now? Yeah, in the sense of personally, they are. And I think that during the pandemic, it was a pandemic. The rules change. You follow the rules of the pandemic, which are let's all look out for each other. Hey, baby, we're back to capitalism now. Now it's like every man for himself because this is America. And guess what? You have access to vaccines and boosters. Your health is your responsibility. It is. And I will, I'm not going to do anything to harm your health. If I have COVID, I'm going to stay home or flu or RSV or anything else. And in fact, a friend of mine and I were going to get together for a game last week. And he had a little bit of a cough. And he goes, look, I don't get sick. I have not been sick in 12 years, but I'm coming over to your place. You have a one-year-old. I'm like, yeah, don't come. And, it, and you know what it was? It was the Bills-Bengals game, which, of course, went in a completely sideways direction. And, you know, prayers for DeMar Hamlin, obviously, needs to be said. And, and I literally have been praying for him. You know, for me, it was like, that's how careful we're still being. This is a guy I know really well, trust really well, from Buffalo. <laughs> and he was just like, I might have a cough and I'm not sure. And we canceled our plan that we had been planning on for almost a year. So yeah, we are still taking it seriously. That said, you know, that's the personal side. Professionally, things are not coming back. You know, there are comedians on tour. They're setting up their own tour. But a lot of the comedy clubs, Caroline's on Broadway closed. That's a New York institution, not just in the stand-up comedy world. It is a New York institution. It's in Times Square. Caroline's on Broadway is one of the main comedy clubs, was one of the main comedy clubs in New York, and it closed. That's crazy. The Comedy and Magic Club out here, and also an iconic spot, is open only Thursday to Sunday right now. It used to be seven days a week. Audiences are still skittish. They're coming back a little bit that you'll hear of comedians with sold out shows. I'm not saying it's impossible, but for the most part, the field is not back. And it's, I don't know, it's a little scary. I don't know when we're going to get there. What does that mean for you? Like it just, it's less opportunity or now you have to kind of pivot to what you do. Cause I mean, just you launched a talk show, right? You're experimenting with kind of live small shows that are gathering that aren't just comedy. Like how have you had to evolve your approach to work now? You know, people say be like water, right? You know, you flow and you you try to go around the rock or through, you know, whatever you can do. And I have, like, I've just embraced, I've tried to lean into that and steer in the direction of the skid, right? They always say the steer in the direction of the skid. And I've used this time to be as creative as I could be with the talk show. Appreciate your mentioning that as well as some other podcasts and staying in and writing and doing some work, some writing for hire and stuff like that. That's fine. That that's okay. Like I'm a comedian who I like to get up and perform, but I'm not crushed if I can't, because a lot of comedians, this is, I'm not spilling any beans here are filling a hole. Like they have to get up every night or close or a part of them dies. Like they need that attention. You know, 80% of us are introverts and 20% of us are extroverts. I'm an extrovert. I'm going to get attention. And that's why when people said, oh man, now your son's going to get all the attention. And I go, Oh my God, it's about time. It's 45 years of my being the center of the party. I, I, can, I can take a break. I can take a break. And I'm happy to get up and perform. I love doing it. And I wanted to see if I still loved it when I got up in New York and LA and some other places. And I do. I love it just as much. But I don't have this 
deep need to get up every single night. And for those comedians, I felt terrible. I felt terrible for my single friends who lived alone in New York, especially in the winters when they couldn't go out and all that kind of stuff. That said, I've had to make a pivot, which is a startup word for failed. I had to make this pivot. (laughs) Fail faster, fail faster. Faster, yeah, right. I had to make this pivot over to, you know, how much of this can I do remotely and from home? And, you know, maybe that's a good thing. I've done a lot of stand-up and it's time to produce and write and act and do some other stuff. The reason I was late is I had a callback, or not late, I was potentially late to this podcast. I actually played it right up to the minute, was had a callback audition. Well, that's great. I mean, you know, it's for a commercial, but at the end of the day, it's like there's some opportunities. And a lot of that has moved online, by the way. So a lot of actors are feeling like they can move to different parts of the country, different parts of the world and audition from anywhere. So that's something that's moved forward for people. Yeah, it's someone once said like this pandemic has kind of accelerated a lot of the change that was going to take 10 years to, to happen. It just kind of happened in one or two years. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, you know, the future I think, arrived faster. Yeah, I think another thing that's also changed, and this has just been this like funny one is the perception of being sick, like that friend from Buffalo, you know, obviously before the pandemic, if you had a cough, you just went into work, even though everyone was like, stay home. As Americans, we all just kind of went back to work. Then obviously COVID, everything locked down and are you vaccinated? Are you masked? Are we testing, et cetera? And now, even for a moment, post-vaccines, a lot of us, if we ever kind of got that cough, we're like, oh my God, do I have COVID? Let me check. And we test. But now, and maybe it's just us because we have kids, but yeah. it's like, uh, I have another kid bug. Like, I'm, yeah. it's, it's, it's strep. It's RSV. It's, there's like so much stuff. Like, we came back from the holidays and my son got a little, little sick. It, we tested. He didn't have COVID. And it was clearly something, you know? And then I got it. And then my wife got it. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to work from home for the week. I'm going to power through it. I'm probably not resting enough. But I guess to to bring it back, it's like I kind of have this confidence that I'm okay. Like it's not COVID. I'm probably not going to be hospitalized. I'm going to have trouble sleeping and I need to like hover my face over the humidifier. But it's just like, oh, another kid bug. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I I feel like it's daycare super immunity. Do you, you and your wife feel like you have that now? Yeah, you know, it's a good thing. You put them in there, put them in that little incubator, this, the, the Petri dish, as people call it. You know, I remember I was sick for the entire month of May, May 2022, the entire month, like going into it, coming out of it. I, I've never had a cough like that. And there were super bugs and it was hard. And, you know, there's been a lot of depression and anxiety there. And now people look back like, oh, we should have just stayed open. I'm like, dude, you selective memory loss, bro. You are not remembering what that would have meant. It would have meant that all the hospitals would have been completely overwhelmed. People not even related to COVID who didn't have COVID would have died because they couldn't get in for surgery and all the other things. I mean, I think we would have lost a million or two million people very, very quickly. And we lost a million people and counting so far. And that sucks. And that's tragic. And no joke, obviously, just completely seriously, that's horrible. But losing a million people over the course of a couple of years, knowing you did everything you could do to save their lives feels way better then, oh yeah, we just went for it. We just like killed a million people in a month. It's like, wait, what? Was this a war? Was this a genocide? Like, you can't do that to your people. So anybody who thinks that we should have just gone back to work and let the infirm and the weak stay home, I think that you're forgetting what it was really like. And you're also Monday morning quarterbacking this thing because you're not remembering what we didn't know what we didn't know. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, history, rose-colored glasses and all that. But Mm -hmm. even 
a kind of a, a real lack of empathy for other people that aren't in your situation or your flexibility. Totally. So it was pandemic again. You had to suspend the rules of capitalism. Everybody had to come together and do what we had to do. And yes, you have to think, which is, I mean, by the way, we need more of that. We need more of that kind of socialistic attitude. And I'm not saying socialism, communism. What I'm saying though, is just this idea of guys, this is a society. And that's what I would always love when George Costanza would yell that, you know, whatever he said it three or four different times across the episodes in that show Seinfeld, where, you know, somebody would, I think jump ahead of him on the phone or something. And he just screamed at the Chinese restaurant. He's like, we're living in a society. And it's true. Like, that's the point is you're living in a society and we do have to think of others, you know, more than we do. Yeah. So, you know, even though this is kind of like a sponsored episode and a conversation to promote like vaccine awareness, I I think by now our listeners get that we genuinely care about this cause Mm -hmm. because it's again, like to your point, we kind of had to hit pause, but we were able to kind of, unhit pause and kind of get back to things with play dates and restaurants and gigs and stuff. So I guess we don't have a lot of time left. So I kind of, I, I made up at the last minute like this, a very special sponsored vaccine episode speed round. Are you ready for that, Rajiv? Yeah, let's go. All right. So during the pandemic, what's one thing that you never expected would have happened to yourself? I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Say more. I enjoyed being home. I've always been comfortable being alone, even though I'm an extrovert. And I think people find that hard to believe. Like, no, you always need to be around people. I'm like, no, I love being around people, but I love being home by myself. And I think we really use that time to build our relationship, my wife and I. And then with our son, we were thinking it would be so great to have him home during the pandemic. People, Parents are like, no, 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 You need time to like take them places when everything's shut down. That's really hard. And I'm sure you could probably talk to that more than I. But yeah, I think we use that time to really kind of get closer and make a conscious decision to do so. Yeah, I like not having to go out or having an excuse to not go out as much. Although, to be clear, by the time Monday rolls around, I'm so happy to either be on a train into the city or having the house to myself. Sure. Everyone's at school. What is a book or a movie that helped you get through the last few years? You know, this is going to be so kind of, I don't know how this is going to sound, but I went back and I read Great Expectations. That was one thing that I actually did do. I'm like, let me do like one classic book where I go, at least I did that during the pandemic. It wasn't the Iliad. It wasn't the Odyssey. It wasn't the the Bhagavad Gita, but I read it and I was like, you know what? That Dickens, he could actually write. Paid, paid by the word then. <laughs> paid by the word. I know. There's As soon as he gets to London and that, I'm like, oh my gosh, this, you, it's very obvious that the level of description that he goes into, you're like, okay, we get it. Yeah. Can you, on the same theme, can you recommend a book, movie, or TV show that kind of best explains the life of an entertainer? Born Standing Up by Steve Martin, I think, is still the best book written about stand-up comedy. Nice. So now that we can get back out and about, because we all have our latest vaccines, what's one place that you want to go back to for work or with your family? I really love going to New York City. I miss that a lot. It's still my favorite place in the world. I really miss going home to Cincinnati. We were able to take Naveen to Austin, where my wife is from, and to Cincinnati, where I'm from. We have not brought Naveen to New York, but we will have to do that soon. Nice. What's your favorite mom dish that you and your wife started making during the pandemic since you guys were all locked up at home? My wife is a very good chef. She's really great at it. She makes a lot of good Indian food, but other food as well. She makes a really good quiche. And it's really funny because the tire pros near us, sometimes she'll take them a quiche. And I go, I wonder what a bunch of Mexicans think about an Indian woman bringing a French cuisine over to their place. But you know what? (laughs) Only in America. (laughs) All right. Who is someone out there 
over the past few years that you've had the best COVID slash vaccine conversation with? Because it's clearly not me. I was going to say, besides you, you mean about the pandemic or just generally like a deep conversation? I mean, inspired by or because of the pandemic. Yeah. You know, my high school friends and I reconnected. That was really fun. We call it our Calc study group. It's six nerds. And we've stayed in touch over the years, but we really jumped back in and we did a weekly Zoom. And to me, that was really meaningful. We've kept it. We haven't kept the Zoom part of it going, but we've reconnected very deeply on Messenger where we message almost every day. I just messaged them a few minutes ago before this podcast, not during it. But it was also like, wow, that was something really great that came out of it. I reconnected with my high school friends. Nice. So last question, Rajiv, what does being a vaccinated modern minority mean for you? Being a vaccinated modern minority means taking responsibility, right? If I'm going to say that I think all communities need to do a better job, including and especially communities of color, then I need to represent that. I need to be on the forefront of getting the vaccine, getting the booster, wearing masks if and then if and when we have to again. You know, a lot of people are like screw that. I'm like, no, not screw that. It's science, man. If we have to, especially if at the daycare, we've had to bring it back on a week or two, then I will. Nice. Well, Rajiv, I always have fun having these conversations and kind of seeing where it goes because half the time I don't know. Thanks for joining, man. Had a great time. Really appreciate your having me on. It's always nice when people ask you questions. You know, it's really a great feeling and I hope I was able to answer a few. Absolutely. So thanks again for listening to us talk about our work and family experience and how vaccines continue to play a role in them. And a big thanks once again to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services for sponsoring today's episode. Look, we're in the thick of the new year and the post-holiday season, and it's going to be a long winter. And we want to make sure that we're making the time to catch up with friends and family to get through all this together. So we want to encourage all of you to make the time to get your latest and updated COVID vaccine. You can schedule your free and updated vaccine today. Vaccines are free and available regardless of health, insurance, or immigration status. Any person six months or older is eligible. You can find updated COVID vaccines at vaccines.gov. Guys, we can do this together. So stay safe out there, and we'll see you on the next one. And that's our show. Like what you heard? Please subscribe, leave a review, and a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting platform. Now more than ever, people need to be hearing these stories. Please share our show with a friend or three. Want to learn more or got something to share? Visit modmypod.com or email us, hi mom, at modmypod.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at modminpod. We'd love to hear from you. Now, here's a preview of our next episode. That's it for now. I've been Raman Segal. And I'm still Sharon Lee Tony. Remember, we're all modern minorities out there. We'll talk to you soon.